Hold your horses one second. We'll get to all the fun and excitement of episode 98 here in one moment. We just want to give a quick update on episode 100 recording, which due to some timing appears that it's going to be recorded before we release episode 99. We're going to have a three-year anniversary and episode 100 celebration on Saturday, September 9th, around 1.30 p.m., and it's going to be held at the Thirsty Nomad Brewing Company. Their address is 4402A Stewart Andrew Boulevard, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28217. We do ask if you're going to join us in person, just drop us a note to feedback at rdubstudios.com so we can arrange the space accordingly. Also, if you would like to make a call in to the show during episode 100, please let us know that as well to the same feedback address, feedback at rdubstudios.com, so we can get you on the list. It looks like at this point we're going to have a fairly healthy group in person, so we want to sort of schedule in how many people will be making call-ins to the show. If you would like to send a note via email or audio prior to episode 100, we will also include those into the show. Just have those to us by Thursday evening, September 7th, and then we can have the lineup set for episode 100. So on to episode 98. We had a lot of fun with Larry from Creative Riding Podcast, he brings in a a guest ringer to talk about the new Harleys. And we did have quite a bit of audio issues with our Skype connection. Bandwidth kept dropping out on us. So some of the conversation may seem a little choppy. And towards the end, we ended up with Larry and Chris on a cell phone. So enjoy episode 98. We hope to see or hear from as many people as possible for episode 100. And like we said, that will be Saturday. September 9th, 1.30 p.m. at the Thirsty No Bad Brewing Company. It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode, Rich Warfield, Rico Hogan, and John Maracle. Loud Pipes episode 98. We are going to be talking all about Harleys tonight, the 2018 models, specifically the new soft tail, the disappearance of the Dyna, and maybe the new CVOs. So let's bring in the gang for tonight. We're all in the studio once again, starting with Brother Hogan. What's happening, man? What's up, family? I'm doing good. And beverage. Just finished off my bowl of soup, and I got an Imperial ready to rockin'. Oh, oh, baby. The local beer gets called up from the miners. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what you drink, sipping on this evening? Uh, it's kind of boring. Well, it's boring because it's a repeat, but just the staple, Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale. Oh, uh, yeah. You can't go wrong with that, brother. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Got it simple, baby. Keep it simple. And let's not forget our technical director and the riding fool, Johnny John, Spider Silk. What's happening? Not much, man. Got out for a little ride yesterday. It's cooled off a little bit. Now training. Now, a little ride for you nowadays is what, nine, ten hundred, nine, ten hundred miles? Nine hundred thousand <laughs> miles? <laughs> no, no, this is only about a 50 miles. Maybe maybe about 30. 30. Okay. No, I, I saw your can earlier. Show it. Show it? Here you go. Oh, Mike's harder. Oh, cranberry lemonade. Look at you. There you go. How is it? Watch out, Dan. Not bad, man. And, and here's a better one. You see what the percent is, right? 
No, it's a little fuzzy. Eight percent. Oh, dude, that's Don't a big can, that's a big can. You might want to ease off the controls there. Yeah, I fear it's gonna be party night because we got some special guests. I heard. Yeah, maybe I'll have to run this one for once. All right, you do that. I'll sit back and I'll just enjoy. All right. Well, we decided to bring in some ringers for our Harley chat. And as we talked in our last show, just briefly, there's an all new soft tail for 2018. The Dino's gone. Boo hoo. If you care. And there's some new CVOs. So let's go ahead and bring in our first guest, who is the maniac with a microphone, otherwise known as Larry from Creative Riding. How's it going, Larry? Pretty good. What's going on? We're uh, primed and ready for some new Harley chat. So you have beverages on the West Coast? Yeah. What are you guys drinking tonight? Well, I, the pale ale from your neck of the woods from Sierra Nevada, although probably brewed here in North Carolina, but who's counting? <laughs> right. <laughs> brewed in China. Um, sent to yeah, imported. I'm uh, sipping on something that my guest brought over, which is a drive through red. And it's a, a dry hopped red ale from Trader Joe's. I don't know if you guys have Trader Joe's back there or not. We do. Yeah, Trader Joe's uh, famous for kind of contracting with local breweries. So what you're drinking is usually something that is also available under a different name from a local brewery. So I don't know what this is. It says Joseph. Joseph oh, yeah, Joseph Brow. So this is brewed up in um, – Joseph Brow is up in like Central Coast. And they brew specifically, I think, for Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it's a 7.2 ABV. I'm on my eighth one, so sorry if I get a little crazy. (laughs) Well, and I'm only drinking the pale ale because I went to Trader Joe's a couple nights ago and got a mix pack, and like a doof, I left it on the floor instead of putting it in the refrigerator. So (laughs) they were all warm. (laughs) If you were in Germany, that'd be very apropos. Yeah. It'd be just proper for the style, so... So you brought in a ringer as well, Larry, who's sitting there with you. I did. I have uh, somebody who's been kind of a regular recently on my show. Um, He's a a Harley hooligan racer. He's sponsored by a thousand people, Um, Speed Merchant being uh, one of them. And uh, he races in the Harley hooligan class. And his name is Chris. I'll let him go ahead and introduce himself again. Uh, Chris Wiggins, um, I guess I ride for Harley sometimes. And I uh, actually got to check out the new soft tails for the second time today. Um, but I'll say, like, my uh, my first response today, like, actually out riding them and not riding. I was on the Heritage the first time I got to ride them. Um, right. Everyone's like, everyone said they killed the Dyna. I want to say they didn't kill the Dyna. They just moved the shocks in. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, pre- it's a pretty good bike. Very nice. And a beverage for you, Chris? Uh, I just finished the drive-through, so we got a Lagunitas pills. Always a favorite. Yeah. Although they got bought up by somebody, didn't they? Or didn't they uh, merge? Or? I think Lagunitas did get bought by someone big. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. They just opened a tasting room up by us, though, like, gosh, like 20 minutes away. So I think Chris and I are going to have to do a bike night over there one of these, one of these nights. <laughs> bike nights at the brewery, always a good thing. It'll right. just be two bikes and yeah, <laughs> and us. But yeah. hey, who cares? Now, now, how far is that? Because you know he's got that hand built seat, so you know might yeah, be a little rough it, on him. My, my butt can tolerate the. It's like twenty minutes, so it's just as perfect. Okay. <laughs> and then have have a few beers responsibly. Wait 
wait the allotted amount of time and then ride home and my butt doesn't feel it. Nice. Well, so be- that explains your episode 88 would butt hurt, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that was kind of apropos to this episode of your guys where uh, it was, that was my, uh, a lot of the stuff I saw on social media regarding the new Harleys that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. I think a lot of people were butt hurt over the, um, well, the killing of the dinos that we could, we could say. Yeah. Well, let's officially make it a segment with an homage to the twin cam uh, before we start our new topic. All right, now it's official. New topics. Yeah. So is that a soft tail deuce? It is. It is an 07. I can tell just by that exhaust note. That's amazing. And it has your pipes on it from Vance and Hines. Mm. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get too far, I guess, Larry, let me give you a minute to uh, you know give your elevator pitch on the show. And then we'll have Chris talk a little bit about his racing, and then we'll dive deep into the new bikes. Sure. Sounds good. All right. Is that my cue to go? Yeah. Tell us all (laughs) about (laughs) the wild and crazy world of creative riding. Oh, okay. Well, hey, creative riding is a show for idiots by an idiot. And um, if if you've listened, I've got a lot of feedback saying, wow, I learned a lot on this episode. And I had to go back and listen because, to be honest, I don't really know that I say anything of particular value, but um, sometimes people find value in it. So it's, it, I amaze myself, I guess, sometimes. During the day, I do like a, I work in the motorcycle. Well, I work in the automotive industry in the motorcycle niche, right. and it's a super boring, very unsexy part of the job. So I'm looking at motorcycle stuff all day. I love motorcycle stuff. I love, you know, the whole lifestyle. But what I do for work is definitely not that. And so I thought, well, heck, after work, there's nobody to blab to. Um, I might as well start a podcast, and I'm by myself up here. So uh, it's basically just the ramblings of a madman <laughs> who happens to work. I'm kind of like that guy in Office Space that wants his stapler back. I forget his name, but I'm in the Milton. basement. Milton. 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 I'm the Milton of the motorcycle world. I just want my stapler back, and I just want uh, somebody to talk to about motorcycles. So I talk to myself all day on a microphone and pump it out every week, and, and I don't know, 300 people listen. And uh, I don't know. I guess nice. I love those people in a weird sort of way. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be the first to say you're not giving yourself enough credit. There is some, some great content there. So I must be an idiot because I'm signed up. Yeah, you are. Well, but that's okay. Well, to kind of give you another little feedback, Larry, Natalie has listened is listening to your show as well. Well, Natalie's not an idiot. So there's some people that are like super brilliant that listen to the show, and I'll, I'll, I'm guessing that she's one of those people. Two hundred ninety nine lungs and one genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, save us. Tell us about the the wild world of hooligan racing. Now I know that's. I know it's flat track racing style, but that differs uh, slightly or differs a lot from American flat track. Uh, about the only thing that really differs is the the bikes we're dumb enough to ride and the skill set that we have. Hooligan racing like literally started as a bad idea between uh, basically myself and Sean from Suicide Machine. Okay. We uh, we had some street trackers and we were doing like this Harley night stuff at our local speedway and uh, 
we decided we wanted to do it more than two or three times a year. So we took our sportsters to a flat track and just started riding them. The whole gimmick is they got to be like production stock frame bikes. So, and they got to be 750 cc's or bigger, like V twins or bigger or more, I should say. So, uh, you're on like basically a 400 to 450, 500 pound bike trying to flat track it. So, uh, (laughs) you said 750 or bigger. So no smaller, no small bikes. Right. Yeah. Like the, the bike of choice, the easy, cheap one is a, a Sportster 1200. 883s work fine. Street 750s work pretty good. Uh, the it, Indians are doing okay. So the Street 750 works good, you say. Maybe uh, you should go help Harley a little bit. They're having some trouble, <laughs> trouble with it. <laughs> uh, for what we're doing, it works pretty well. I mean, it definitely has some flaws, but it, it, it also has some stuff that I think is a little better than the Sportster. So it's like we're trying to find the happy medium between the two bikes. Um, we've got a Speed Merchant's got a Street 750 that I've been putting some seat time on, and I like it. And I'm pretty comfortable on it. The power is just different. The bike's a little different, but uh, it's also hard to beat my old Sportster that I have thousands of laps on. Is it lighter by chance? It's really surprisingly not. If no. it is, it's like 20 pounds or something. And probably the power is probably higher in the the rev range, I would guess. Yeah, it revs a little better, but the problem is it's actually, it's only down about 10 on horse, but it's down, uh, my Sporty was about 74 on torque, and the Street 750 is about 42 on torque. Mm. So it's just, it's you've really got to gear them better for each track to really kind of get the potential out of them. And if they're geared wrong, they're just super hard to ride. Where the the Sportster, you could be way off in gearing, and as long as you're not in the rev limiter right on the right out of the corner, they're they're pretty good. You make up for it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can run them, you know, low RPM or high RPM, and they still do pretty well. Awesome. Now, have you ridden a, an Indian yet? Uh, like a, what was it, a Scout around the track yet? I actually have. Uh, Roland let me ride one of his at Paris uh, a couple years ago, a year and a half ago, something like that. Um I don't even know how to describe them. Like you kind of sit in the bike more than you sit on top of the bike. The foot controls are also a little more forward and they're a little heavier, but they definitely make better power. Mm-hmm. But they overall, like it, it's kind of like the 750 and the Sportster, like they have their pros and cons and it's kind of figuring out how to uh, make the bike work for you type deal. Nice. Well, Rico's Rico's the Indian fan. Um, I don't know, Yay, if you know the, the backstory, but he has a, Big old Roadmaster 2015, right, Hogan? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, he's got the man couch. Nice. Chilling. <laughs> For me, they're like competition just because the whole Roland Sands uh, Indian thing. And then, uh, of course, me being like one of the Harley riders. But um, Graham and Hoffy are pretty good dudes, and they both ride those things pretty hard. You know, it's it's fun to me, though, to see them all out on the track. Like last weekend, we had a couple of Triumphs and a couple of Ducatis. It's cool to see like some old brands like that kind of going at it with pretty production-based bikes. Nice. Yeah, that's what we like. You know, the Indian coming back to the big flat track circuit was cool just for another brand. And, of course, it makes everyone raise yeah. their game. So I think that's... And I, I like for that one, man, it's really... They're really stirring stuff up. Like, again, rooting for Harley, rooting for uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Carver. Just He's a fellow FTW co-rider and a, a good dude, but... I, I do like that Indian just stirred everyone up, man. They just uh, came in and, and did what no one really thought anyone was going to be able to do. And I, I like that it turned everyone on their head, made them work, you know? Mm-hmm. 
you know what's funny is I, I mentioned this before when you listen to the bikes on the track in the hooligan class there's definitely a difference between the indians and the harleys the harleys roar yeah where the indians kind of snap a little bit i don't know how to describe the sound but you can you can tell the valving is different the revving is mm-hmm. different but when it comes to professional racing they the also insane with yeah right the ftr 750 is not a production motor where the xg is and um, I did a whole article on, or a whole episode on that because um, I, I just went back and listened to my show from last year at this time to kind of compare notes. And I was talking about Davis Fisher testing the XG last year and how he was getting all these accolades for being a Harley factory rider. And now this year they're like they threw him out the window and Harley is kind of fallen, you know, I think like uh, podium. Um, I mean, they did pretty good in the heats here and there, but I think I think. Uh, Jake Johnson doing getting a podium was the best deal they've yeah. pulled so far, but it's a production motor. That's the thing that the FTR is not a production motor. Indian did what Harley did 40 years ago yeah. when Harley came out with the XR. That was not a production Sportster motor, and so the FTR is not a production Sportster motor. But watching them in the hooligan class for me is like one of the best things because you get to see guys like Chris out there and Roland Sands and. Heck, Joe Kopp was riding an Indian yeah. uh, recently. Oh, he's, he's been on a triumph lately. Right, I saw that too. But he, you know, you get to see the, you get to see the factory bikes. You get to see what you what the average Joe could race if they were to go and buy something. You know, so for me, that's like the big deal there. Um, the Indians still kick butt, but uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more even when you're if you're racing showroom bike to showroom bike. You know. Well, which would be tough because the the scout doesn't really line up with the sportster anyway. Yeah. It's surprising. Like I said, they're, they're really, really different to ride the scout 60, maybe. scout 60. Yeah. Maybe even yeah. the regular scouts, the same frame and everything is just a bigger motor, I think. Yeah. But it's the great equalizer for our hooligan class. Honestly, is every bike on the tracks over 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. The Indians are pushing five. Most of our sporties are pushing 450. So it really like, there's not a lot that matters anymore. Like horsepower doesn't matter because our tires small and our bikes are heavy. So as long as you have 65, 70 horse on most, and we run a lot of little tracks. So on most tracks, you know, about anything is good. And making it be a twin is also like that helps equalize it too. Um, but yeah, so much of it for us is in the weight and the little tracks. You know, a lot of our eighth and quarter mile DG tracks, it's not going to matter with that much weight. There's a couple of them indoors too, right? Or no, is that a different series? Yeah, yeah. We do um, Flat Out Friday in Milwaukee, um, usually tied in with the Mama Tried show. And those are indoors. And those are, man, that's an interesting. <laughs> I bought the smallest counter shaft sprocket I could find for a Sportster. So stock gearing is roughly like a 2251 or something, 52, yeah. 2152. And uh, I was running a 1754 for the indoor. You need like the gearing off a trials bike or something. <laughs> yeah, it would just like we rode them. Um, Milwaukee's pretty cool. So we it, they always have us like Harley wants us like at the museum at night and then over at the place the next day. And uh, all of the SoCal guys, you know, we usually travel together in one trailer and it takes two or three hours to load up. So we just all hop on our bikes and ro- ride over through town. And it's like my bike would top out at like 25 mile an hour in first gear. <laughs> but in that little teeny Coke syrup track, yeah, you're not written. going that fast. So it's great. <laughs> you know That's what, too, awesome. Rich? On, uh, you know, there's a couple speedways around here that do Harley nights, and you could ride your deuce around. Mm-hmm. 
on the track. Yeah, I'm sure that would be exciting. Not. Man, people race are racing baggers. I think uh, last, I think at uh, Santa Maria, I think somebody was out there racing the Indian Chieftain or something. Roland right? was. I was going to yeah. say you could uh, ride your a Indian Chieftain, but Roland right. was on a Chieftain at Santa Maria last weekend. Yeah, we could have Rico versus Rich just do like a little <laughs> yeah. YouTube video. Yep. Oh, that would be I'm hilarious to see those two bikes on the track. Now you got to school me on the best way to ride this thing in the dirt, though. I mean, are you switching? I'm sure you're switching gears, but. You know, what's the trick of going fast on the dirt? Actually, most flat trackers don't shift. I don't even think the AFT pros shift on the miles because the corners get wider as the track gets longer. So it's kind of proportional. So uh, I've seen guys shift, but our big heavy bikes, they get real weird when you try and shift them. So we come, uh, uh, we don't shift, but a lot of it just kind of sit kind of upright on the bike and lean the bike over. And on the Chieftain, it'd be until the floorboards hit. And then, um, <laughs> or the kinda, bearings. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of roll on the throttle and get comfortable with it. But yeah, right. Hey, Rico, you got bags on that thing? I do. It's a roadmaster. So it has like I'll nine have to bags. Strip it all the way down. Right. All the way you just lean it over on the bags and put like you know a protective piece of metal on the bag, and then just ride it around on the bag until you get back to the straightaway, and then you kick it back up. Okay. You let the bag do the work for you. <laughs> the, uh, all the- I've ridden on the dirt like before this hooligan stuff started I used to take my Dyna to Harley Nights and uh it actually handled pretty well in the dirt I was really surprised now, I've seen a couple crashes I don't know I, you know I've seen a couple of those races I've seen some of these guys go down and wreck their bike and you know that that's heartbreaking <laughs> but if you tumble your uh, chieftain at Costa Mesa Speedway there will be about 4500 fans just losing their minds cheering for you. So <laughs> there's always that to look for if you do that. Yeah. There's there's it's a, totally worth it. There's a little glory in crashing. <laughs> uh, you might even be on the front of the front page of the paper. Mm, you know. Right. Could be. You'd be insta famous for sure. <laughs> insta famous. <laughs> yeah, if you could if you could stand having your uh, picture played on instagram over and over of you crashing then that'd be great but i mean if that was just like rubbing it in every time then yeah maybe not so great yeah <laughs> <laughs> you just started gofundme right yeah there that's you go. what all the hipsters do when they crash your bike yeah start a gofundme and uh, replace it with a different color you know a different color uh, everything and then next week you're out there again rico i see i see racing in your future i see so, it so, Chris, I have a question for you. Yeah. Since you rode the new Fat Bob, how would it do on yeah. the dirt track? I think it'd do all right. Um, the tires are going to be the big thing, and then the weight, because they're even, they're probably, what, 600 pounds, 650? Six, seven. Um, I could nerd out and look. <laughs> yeah, I rode more the lowrider today. I've ridden, I put a lot of seat time on the Heritage, and then today a lot of seat time on the lowrider. But, yeah, I mean, they're, from having my Dyna on the dirt, they would do just fine. There's something about the geometry of a stock Harley, man. They do surprisingly well in the dirt. They kind of want to ride themselves and stay upright, and they're comfortable backing it into the corner. I've got, to give you an idea how low, I've got a flat spot on my primary on my Dyna from doing Harley nights. Nice. From the dirt. Nice. So, <laughs> and today on the low rider, uh, I was on Harley fleet or like factory Harley bikes that had Milwaukee dealer or Milwaukee uh, manufacturer plates. And the exhaust pipe and the kickstand both got scratched up. Nice. I wonder how the breakout would do with that big back tire. Man, that one's wide. 
I would think the more you lean that over, it would get it gets kind of like tilted funny. Yeah. I don't know. Breakout's not my style. I didn't, I didn't spend much time on it. All right. Well, since John broke the ice on the Fat Bob, and you said you have a you have a Dyna, Chris, is that right? Uh, yeah, I have a 2009 Dyna. Okay. So having ridden a couple of them on the Softail platform, you you shed a tear there, or is all good news? You know, so uh, the commercial that they released where all the bikes were out on the racetrack. So I was in that. I rode the Heritage Softail. So um, nice. you can't tell it's me, but it is. So when I first saw the bikes, and uh, even when I was out at Chuck Walla, I was telling some people from Harley, I was like, I'd put a $100 bill that your Dyna's back in two years. Uh-oh. And uh, <laughs> after it, where I was really limited on the Heritage was it's a floorboard bike. It's kind of an old man cruiser bike. Like it's not the low rider and not that you can call a Harley that performance, but the low rider is a little uh, more performance based after spending the day on the low rider. I don't shed a cheer about them killing the Dyna. I really don't. I do. And this is a California thing. I'm bummed that they called it a soft tail in general, but you know, everywhere out of Southern California, soft tails are awesome and they sell like hotcakes, but where we're at, it's like, yeah, it's a style. Are, it's a local you know, style. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I, you know, I said it at lunch today, and I, I said it earlier on here. Like, I don't feel like they killed the Dyna. I feel like they took the shocks and moved them in. Yeah, and I don't think so, you could, in the way it's set up, I don't think you could call it a Dyna. Like, if you call it a Dyna lowrider, people will be like, uh, "No, that's a soft tail. What are you talking about?" I don't even feel like the lowrider should be called a soft tail. But it was a the factory people we were talking to today. They were like, "That was a marketing deal on Harley's end where." The soft tail is such a popular bike throughout the country right. that it wasn't a big deal for them to put soft tail on a low rider and soft tail on a fat bob. But <laughs> in California, of course, we're like, why didn't you just call it the low rider and not attach it to any soft tail or Dyna? But yeah, you know, uh, a- yeah, something I wanted to say is that when I saw these coming out at the dealer shows and I saw the names and everything being retained, it takes a lot to trademark something like that's part, part of this part of the thing that people don't understand is, uh, you know, once you trademark something, especially if it's a standard word like that, like, you know, that's why you always see like quickie mark with K W I K I because you can trademark that pretty easily. But when you have something like the, the low rider or something like that, this just a, a standard American word and you've got your trademark on it. It's really hard to trademark it uh again or or, you know it's really you you worked hard to get that and so i think that's part of the reason why they just carry the names over to the soft tail line is they had them trademarked and it'd be a pain in the butt to go back and re-trademark a new name rebrand a new bike um, re-market a new bike when you're kind of just like you know like chris said you're just transferring it over to a different platform you know Oh, and real quickly, by the way, to nerd out on some of the stuff, the uh, the fat bob is six hundred and thirty pounds. The or I'm sorry, the uh, the street bob is six thirty, and the fat bob is six fifty three. So we're you're hucking around some big bikes, uh, <laughs> you know. But it's nice that they've lost they've lost some weight because I think even my deuce, uh, without yeah. being fueled, is like seven oh seven or something. Yeah. I think on average it was like 35 pounds or so. Yeah. The 30 was like the magic number because it was between 30 and a little bit more than 35, like 38 pounds that they had all lost. Yeah. The suspensions were 15 to 20% lighter. The bikes are way more rigid. People are always complaining about the Dyna, you know, they kill the Dynas, but they're 90, uh, apparently they're 91% more rigid 
than the Dyna. The Dynas were, and 61% more rigid than the previous soft tails were. And um, off the showroom floor, the Dynas don't have their death wobble. Like I have <laughs> spooth engineering motor mounts. And I used to have an alloy art one, but it was just the rear. But so I got spooth engineering motor mounts on my Dyna to keep it from wobbling at 80 mile an hour, let alone in corners. Mm. Yeah. So, you wow. know, I think t- to me, the soft tail name, um, it's kind of like the street 750, like people hate on the street 750, but the street 750 is not an American bike. It's not meant for this market. It's not really meant to be sold here. Like what are the numbers they sell a week in India? Like, yeah, it's like a world bike kind of thing. So I think like everyone's crying about the Dyna, but it's like, I feel like it's mostly the Southern California guys are crying. Oh, they killed the Dyna. They killed the Dyna. But it's like everyone else in the country doesn't care. They're super happy that they're soft tails. Yeah. So. Yeah. My only stance on the Dyna is that people I, the people that I know that, that rode a Dyna didn't, wouldn't ride a soft tail because they didn't really want a balanced motor. You know, they wanted it, you know, they wanted the A motor. They didn't want the counterbalancers and all that. So I don't know if it was so much about the suspension, but, you know, I always heard people crow about the, counterbalancers robbing some power and i'm sure they do a little bit little bit but you know the funny part about that is like everyone whined about the counterbalance robbing power but if you're measuring power to the crank it makes sense but what does us all good is power at the rear wheel and how much kind of power do you lose in rubber mounting the motor right yeah exactly or how much or how much snappy feel in your hand and your butt do you lose type stuff you know right even stuff you can't measure yeah, and I was never I mean, obviously I've been riding a soft tail for ten years, but yeah, you know, I was never a fan of the of the rock and roll that came from those bikes. It just that all that vibration just seemed unnecessary, especially in twenty twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that's I think that was a, a complaint of a lot of people. And you can see it in the evolution of the tourings, definitely once they started the uh project Rushmore in twenty fourteen. Yeah you know, all the way to the Milwaukee 8s now. Those Milwaukee 8s, they're a tad bit quieter. Mm -hmm. They're a tad bit smoother, and you can hear it. And I got a couple graphics here that you guys don't have, but um, but, uh, it's the the old counterbalancer from the old soft tails was like a whole separate, like, chain-driven, dual huge. I mean, you can, they're they're just gigantic, you know what I mean? The The old counterbalancers. And the new ones are driven right off the crank. Yeah, with the gear set, right? Yeah, and they're basically fit right in the crank. I think these notches right here is for these to turn into when it's going out. I mean, you know, it's because of the lobe, like it's timed and yeah, inside of the crank. The lobes are timed like to basically go inside when the pistons are revolving around. It's they're they're bigger gears driven off the the crankshaft rather than this old convoluted uh, chain drive that you used to have. The fact that you have a single cam versus dual cam. I mean, these are all weight savings. You know what I mean? And so to make the suspension to make the frame stiffer, to make the engines lighter, all of that stuff like culminated. And for the first time we're having like, you know, soft tails with the, uh, I mean the, the, the oil in a pan, you know, rather than just like shared <laughs> yeah, scavenging through bag. the, right. Instead of being right up and, your uh, butt. <laughs> yeah. And oil cooling. I made a bunch of notes here cause I was really excited about it. Yeah. The, the, the complicated balancer system, the, the dual cams, you know, Cutting down to one cam is obviously part of the weight savings. I mean, they're they're lighter, uh, even though there is an added oil pan. They're still, I think they said about 15 pounds lighter. So they 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 cut some of it out of the engine and they cut some of it out of the frame and the, and made the whole thing more rigid. 
and the monoshock deal too i mean we've seen butcher like uh there's a local harley guy here um named uh rusty butcher who does you know he's live and die <laughs> by the old style he, he has a new fat bob he already converted the forks to standard forks rather than inverted because he jumps them a lot and he does like a lot of wheelies and so i mean he had it for like eight hours and it was already yeah. he's already like redone you know he's totally modified it to his deal he's put um different bars on it different front end on it uh he made it totally a hooligan bike again and so these guys that are crying about the death of the Dyna, it's totally un, um, it's unreasonable, and it's uh, what's I can't think of the word I'm, I'm trying to trying to think of, but it's unfounded. It's, uh, unfounded, right? That's the yeah. word I'm, I was looking for. Is that they they're complaining, but they really have made it, in my opinion, a lot better. And the monoshock adds adjustability. The the front ends are just a lot better. Apparently, you know, they 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 use a lot of the stuff from the Project Rushmore front ends, you know, that they've been working on for the last three years to, to make them lighter, to make them more, um, more like you said, Rich, yeah. less, you know, vibrations and less, you know, you're, you're not fighting the bike as much anymore. So a lot of these complaints I think are just kind of funny, but you know, my last episode was called butt hurt. And that's because everybody was screaming about why'd you kill my Dinah, <laughs> you know, and everybody seemed to be really put off by the fact, but, but the fact is that Harley Davidson is finally changing, which everybody says, Oh, they've had the same bike since like 1950, you know, they yeah. need to change. And then they no. do. And then people flip out about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned, it's funny. You meant, you mentioned changing out the handlebars already. So a little feature that people might've overlooked is talk about that two piece clutch cable, you know what I mean? Where you can just, you can change it without taking the case apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not only that, but they they used to have um, some of the handlebars were integrated into the turn signal switches. And I know a coworker of mine has a 2016 Softail Slim, mm-hmm. and gosh, he was saying it was going to cost him two grand. He wanted to change handlebars, and I said, "Why don't you just change them?" And he said, "Well, it's going to cost me two grand." He doesn't work on his bike at all, and I'm a guy that like does everything on my bike. You know what I mean, like every single thing. So to me, it was kind of funny that it was going to cost him two grand to try out different handlebars. And yeah, on these, you can swap a lot of, like a lot of stuff is swappable. You don't have to be a a mechanical engineer to figure out where all the stuff is. It's kind of, excuse me, plug and play. Um, the handle, the, the, the turn signals aren't integrated into the, um, combination switches anymore, which made a lot of complicated, um, mounting impossible. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of upgrades um, and a lot of customization that you can actually do in these things that people, you know, without even seeing them, the first two hours that they were out, just people complaining. And it's like, you yeah, haven't even tried. You haven't even ridden one. Yeah. How does that, um, how does that little LCD work out? I know, Chris, you said you didn't spend much time on the breakout, but I know the breakout is one that has that. Street Pump's got it too. Um, it's cool, man. It's just, it's so small. It's integrated right in the top clamp. Um, and then there was, yeah, like it hangs off the bottom of the top clamp and then it's also in the top clamp of the risers. So the trick is on like the street Bob, you know, some guys are, I don't know on that bike as much, but guys are going to want to put taller risers on bikes. Right. Um, so that stuff's kind of hard, but you know, it's one Harley makes aftermarket stuff anyway, and they're going to want to do, you know, like literally today they're like, you know, we want parts for these two. We don't just want aftermarket people to make them, but People just have to be innovative with their risers and keep the top clamp, you know, on the bike so that you can have your speedometer in it. But it's nice, man. It's super clean on the street, Bob. 
super like just like low key, barely even notice it. But then when it's on, it's lit and easy to read. That's what I was wondering. It looked really small, but if if it's easy to read, then it's not a concern. It sounds like. Yeah. You know, the Yamaha Bolt had a really big old school tachometer or, you know, like an instrument cluster on it, but it was tinted and you couldn't read it. And so, I mean, the size is not an indication of, uh, you know, convenience. It's it's like the, the engine, actual engineering. So, yeah, I, I saw those. I thought that was a really cool feature. And that kind of comes over from the custom world where I think I saw a lot of custom people yeah. putting little led or lcd sort of displays and the triple clamps hiding them and i thought that was actually a pretty cool thing that they did that in the usb ports i think is pretty yeah. i mean it's, with today with the market that you're going for if you're really going for a younger generation that's you need to have a usb port where do they exit it lends to, oh go ahead no sorry the usb ports where do they uh exit the bike like where did, where are they located I'm not sure. Larry just left too. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's getting more beer. <laughs> but I, I think uh, what I was going with too, like the, the way on the street, Bob, they put the gauges in the risers, like obviously on a stock showroom bike, like you need gauges and you need that information. But I think it really, it's a nod to Harley paying attention to the custom designs or the custom industry. Like they, I feel like on the street, Bob, they went more bobber than they have in the past. Um, the bars and the tank and the rear fender, it all kind of matched better. Yeah. Like my Dyna happens to be a street Bob, but it's an 09 and it had a regular Dyna tank and all they did was cut up the rear fender. So it wasn't really much of a bobber. And this one, like it's a more rounder, smaller tank. Yeah. The bars are a little more like bobber style. So right. kind of eliminating the gauges, I feel like they paid attention to on a bobber, people take stuff like that off and they just don't run gauges. Where the lowrider had a tack and a speedometer right on the dash, because the lowrider to me is going to turn more into like your club style Dyna setup. And people like those custom bikes, they leave those dials and they don't mind the analog. And it, it so it's it's kind of a nod to Harley paying attention to what the custom guys are doing on those style bikes. Very nice, Larry. Did you bring another beer for us? <laughs> you, you want another one? I'll get another. Yeah, can I get a Lagunitas, please? Now, but yes, sir. Little, I, little something. You know what's so funny? Our, our neighbors got married, and it's been God. It's been a hundred plus here this whole week because of uh, Hurricane Harvey has brought has held like this hot air, and so our neighbors got married, and they uh, nobody drank any of the wine or beer that they brought to the wedding. So they actually came over and gifted us with a bunch of wine, and I'm I'm on my second bottle. Of wine, my third beer, and I am three sheets to the wind, my friend. <laughs> nice. But I'll go get another one if you if you demand it. Don't he was you? asking about the USB ports too. I didn't really pay attention to where those are at on the bike. Uh, those are located. Um, if you reach down, um, you know where the the cotter pin to the axle goes in. They're down there. It's kind of an odd place because your cable usually will get like tangled in your drive belt. But I figured that's you know. They figured it. Let's put it in the oddball place. Yeah, they. Were, I think they were thinking uh, accessory part there. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's something too that they were doing with um, the oh gosh the Project Rushmore stuff. They were putting USBs in all of the like glove boxes and in the in in the um, like a little USB charger or like an iPod mount or something in some of the saddlebags with some of that stuff. It's they've really been focusing on like increasing infotainment as they called it right 
And uh, yeah, so they're just extending that to these. And excuse me, for Harley Davidson, I think it's a hard it's a hard road that they're on because their demographic is aging, but we also know that they're trying to reach a new demographic of younger riders, but everybody is in the motorcycle industry. And the thing is, is that I guess there's studies out there that have shown that younger people aren't interested in driving, let alone riding motorcycles. Exactly. So this bike, this bike has to cover two bases. It has to be new and fresh. And it also has to be, uh, you know, something that an, an older generation as well as a younger generation can um, kind of, you know, adapt to or like uh, relate to. And I heard a saying before that said, I think it was from Lee Iacocca. And I, I quoted this, I think on my, my show somewhere that you can sell an old man, a young man's bike, but you can't sell a young man, an old man's bike. <laughs> and so right. Harley is at this crossroads <laughs> right now where they have to integrate technology. They have to integrate comfort. But then like the, with all the young hipster Dyna guys getting like upset, you know, over the killing of the Dynas, they have to also watch out for that. Cause you're not going to sell something that people perceive as like an old man couch or like, Hey, you're putting like rubber mount engines and like this, plush suspension for old dudes whose bones rattled around i'm not going to buy this junk you know what i mean so they're like this weird crossroads and i and and the fact that like chris said they're they're like pulling in like custom aspects of what people are what the younger generation is doing but they're also making the engines a little bit more subdued not power wise but you know just feeling and vibration wise where old old guys dentures aren't going to get rattled out, out of their mouth is uh i mean i think they're doing a pretty good job in my opinion you know what I mean? Yeah. For what it's worth. I mean, I don't have, what's my opinion worth? It's <laughs> nothing really, but, <laughs> but that's, that's my, my thinking, looking from an outside perspective, you know, not working out Harley, not having anything to do with them. I think that they're doing a pretty good job because I actually like the bike that they have come out with, um, specifically the fat Bob. And that's the one that's got the most mm -hmm. mention on like almost every, uh, podcast and radio show that I've listened to fat Bob, fat Bob, fat Bob. I was going to say, and I, I think, I have to stop you there on the fat bob. Yeah. Uh, what what is it with the fat bob? I don't I don't get it with that bike. Like wh why is everyone so drawn to this, you know, Mad Max looking thing? I think, I, that's why. That's why. I think that's, that's why. Perfect. Okay. I think cuz the old one was so bad. Yeah, that's true. You know, the old fat bob had that weird like slash cut fender with the two round like I, I'm not even sure if they're LEDs. Got to write this stuff. I do this stuff for a living, and I should know this, but I can't remember. They're I not. thought that was, you know, when they first introduced that Fender, I was like, wow, a big change. But now they did this one, and it's like, <laughs> I want to see the Fat Bob, the V Max, and the Diavel do like a battle of the twins together. I know the V Max is a V4, and uh, but I all the way. Yeah, the I'd next love is going to tear it apart. Oh man, are you sure? Uh, uh, so, Rich, what do you think? You guys, you guys want to know the about the Ducati? Uh, let's hear, let's hear the secret. Uh, it's based off a 1098, and I worked for Roland Sands when that bike got designed from the ground up, like fiberglass and styrofoam, at Roland's, not at uh, Ducati. So, but it should rip. It's got a damn good four valve motor in them, don't they? The new ones too. Well, and to be fair, the one I rode was the X Deval S, so that that's supposedly even turned up a little more. Yeah. But yeah, I got a, uh, unfortunately we weren't smart enough taking, like we couldn't take pictures of it and then we shipped it off to Italy yeah. and all we had were a couple like cell phone pictures <laughs> and then it left and Roland's like, man, I wish we got more, like when it came out, he's like, I wish we would have taken more pictures of this now. Oh, but man. it was really cool to see like Ducati sent us a wreck 1098 
and we uh, pulled it all apart. And it's also cool to see how that bike looked like the one that we built at Roland's. Cause like, you know, being a, a custom bike builder like that, it was kind of, you would think they would just change it all up. And a lot of the styling cues were still there. It was pretty cool. So you mean like how, like what BMW did with the bagger? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what happened to that con- cool concept we saw? <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think the, the fat Bob, like, I think the kind of semi knobby enduro tires, um, that seems to be attracting a lot of people. Uh, the inverted forks, like those, I'm not a fan of the front end, like the fat front tire, yeah. but those forks definitely attract me um, as being a kind of a Dyna guy and someone that likes a little bit of performance. You know, I know they're not the same forks as a CBR thousand, but just inverted forks and dual disc. Um, that at least for this year, there's no low rider S. I'm hoping uh, Harley brings that back out eventually, but there's no low rider S yet. So, and the Fat Bob, I think, was the only one that comes with the 107, and as an option, you can get the 114. A couple points there. Uh, partially, the knobby tire thing that Chris mentioned, I think part of that is the hooligan slash scrambler craze right now. Yeah. You know? So I think that that's a, a popular way to go. Uh, it's got, you know, of course, the inverted fork, which I was just looking at pictures of the lowrider S thinking, gosh. That was the dragster with the gold wheels, right? Like yeah. that was, yeah. The lowrider S was just like mind blowing when it came out. I was so ex- I was almost ex- as excited as I was when they brought out the Roadster. I bet they'll do another S soon. That's my 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 feeling. Um, so you think? Little insider info, a little digging deep here, but they some of the designations for the models have S after them if they have the 114 in them. But that doesn't mean that they're an S model as in like, you know, before. That's that's my whole beef with the the new lineup is they killed a lot of the S models. You know, there's no S models at all for 2018, but it's just a matter of time. Let's wait, let's wait six months and see what comes out, because that's usually when they start dropping S models. Well, I will say I know what's coming out in six months. Okay, well that's all I can say, but yeah, I know it's not an say. S model. But don't that's you think <laughs> if you speculate, wouldn't you think that like a fat Bob S would have the 117, you know, like the CVO motor. Right now, what is it? The 107 and the 114. The fat Bob right now you can get with a 114, but they come standard with the 107 and all the low, the low rider and everything had a 107. Yeah. Controls would be my ideal bike though. Like they kind of have four controls and the mid controls would be my favorite thing. And you know, even last year you could go on Harley and you could, order a lot of bikes with mid controls a lot of people don't know that but if you go to the harley builder uh you could build you your bike them. specific and that would be my thing is that bring bring that back you know integrate all this stuff into the um the 18 models heck we're only we're only like two weeks into the release i mean we got to give it a little time you want a new model for and, and you know air rate i think with all the new models and the new the whole new platform and everything like it's not Harley's way, I feel like, to be like, okay, here's all the new bikes and here's an S model yeah, to go no, with it. No, they, you got to wait six months. Yeah, they're going to let it settle. They're going to wait till 19 and it'll, you know, we'll see. They'll come out for 19 if they do any of them or whatever. So yeah. to give you guys an idea, when we did the shoot at a Chuck Walla that they released all the new bikes on, one, the the other bike was there and they like, they didn't even let us see it really until later. And then they're like, don't sit, don't talk about this thing. Like I literally got a phone call yesterday. Where <laughs> like, Don't talk about that bike. So I'm just going to say Harley's got something in the works, but 
like they took our cell phones and like taped over the cameras and everything yeah, yeah. because <laughs> this new whole out. this whole soft tail thing was such a big big deal you know a big deal to them it was such a big change that they wanted nothing to leak like they were um they were pretty picky about what we were checking out and what we were talking about and things like that so yeah i mean i've actually got busted not busted i shouldn't say that that sounds terrible but i've got um question before for going in and taking certain pictures of certain bikes and people will come over to you and ask you what what exactly you think you're doing and you're like well this is my line of work this particular thing is important to me and you really have to explain yourself before they're like okay because you're like five seconds away from getting your phone confiscated (laughs) or like your camera (laughs) smashed over your head and yeah it's it's interesting but um let's just say that uh like i told ted from the uh, motorcycle men podcast you know the Sportster line with the uh, the inline triple thumper is a possibility. What? what? A Sportster with a triple? No, I'm not buying it. Not buying it. <laughs> well, I get. Is there more on the soft tails? I mean, other than the oil cooling, is there more we want to cover there? And then we can just maybe hit the CVOs a piece and then move on, move it on. Yeah, let's hit the CVOs. I mean, yeah, everybody, everybody's. Yeah, I think uh, everybody's mind has been on the soft tails lately. I think the CVOs is probably the least played out because nobody can afford them. Right? All right. The new CVO is beautiful, by the way. But why wouldn't you go buy a Corvette? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing the other day. I, I love the CVO Road Glide, but yeah, for forty one grand, I'd get a lightly used Stingray, and I'd have a whole lot more fun, I think. Oh, my God. You yeah. could buy a two-year-old Z06. I'm like, it's just like, it's a beautiful bike. And maybe I'm weird, but I don't feel like going from a 114 to a 121 with, quote, stage two heads or whatever is worth 20 grand. Like the wheels are a little cooler. I'm sure the suspension's a little better. The paint's rad, but I'm just, I'm looking at them and I'm like, what do you get for 15 grand? But it's a 117, isn't it? Besides a backer and a lowrider. You could buy a road glide and a lowrider for what you can buy the CEO for. <laughs> yeah. Is it isn't it a 117? No, 121? I don't oh, know. I think it's, it's I think it's a 121. It's uh, one way out of my budget, is what it is. Oh no, listen, listen. The, you're right, John. You're right. The 121 is Indian. Right now, yeah. The 121s are uh, kind of like for the the screaming eagle, like the like like the drag bikes and all that stuff. Oh, like the 120R it replaced the 2010. Yeah. The um, that what you're getting is like limited exclusivity because it's like there's only 250 paint sets made, I think, for each CVO or something mm. like that. But I will say, you know, we talked earlier about the demographic that they're going to. Like <laughs> when I bought my Dyna in 09, my stepdad bought a CVO. I think in 08, he bought a year or two old one when he bought it, but. The CVOs then were like metallic, crazy paint jobs and as much chrome as you could gob on them. They did have the 110s at the time, which was the big motor, but it was just like chrome and candy pearlescent metallic paint where the new CVO has totally changed. Like it's to me, it's like the Dyna guy is that has 42 grand to spend. But it's like it's I don't know if they're flat paint or just like kind of a duller paint with the orange and the simple pinstripes, like very like racy looking, not flashy chrome looking. Yeah. Right. But every bell and whistle included. 
M3. Yeah. But still only the It looks like the outgoing Magnum. The last Victor Magnum had a similar paint scheme. I like the little red, you know, highlights on the motor too. It's really sweet. You see the one Rico the the paint scheme with the like the red hash on the fender? I'm like that's like the last Victory Magnum like all day. <laughs> yeah. Although it was there was a red one with black and was there black with red? I don't remember. I, I just like that uh that like gray I don't know what kind of gray that is, but I saw that on an M three and I thought that was high. But I like the the little you know, the gray looking color, the black and the red highlights on the motor. That's the one that's yeah, it's to nice. me. And I can't tell, like, is it fully matte? The street glide. Oh, yeah, you're looking for street, street glide. glide. Okay. The road glide, road glide, sorry. So CVO, I guess, different demographic. This is not the young rider. This is definitely Daddy Warbucks, the bankers, insurance guys. I feel like it's the style of the bike goes to the young rider, but maybe what he said holds true, like an old man will buy a young man's bike type stuff. Yeah. Either you're established and you can afford it, or you're young and rich and you want to show it. I think that's the demographic for the CVO. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, since bandwidth's playing a part here, let's keep it concise. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, cool. So you guys are familiar with our 7 plus 1, or what we like to call 8 days a week. So we do a little roundup. Let us know... Uh, we'll let Larry go first. So let us know your sort of your ultimate garage if you had to pare it down to seven. Uh, bikes, cars, boats, planes, we won't judge. And you have to have yeah. one one project. Listen, there was lots of planes and helicopters and boats that I was thinking of. Uh, but I just I cut them out because I was thinking the older I get, the less time I'm going to have to fly and drown. So I kind of cut it down to uh, pavement. Um, even though TC's helicopter from um, Magnum PI would be pretty awesome, yeah, uh, I pared it down to, to uh, roughly uh, a seven plus one that I think you guys can agree with. Uh, my number one, the first one would be a Pinsgauer seven one zero K. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Pinsgauers. Yeah, I've got three of them. Uh, no, no, oh my god, <laughs> are they the seven ten Ks? I have no idea what they are. <laughs> Okay, they're like a Swiss vehicle. Lie like a rug. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I can tell. <laughs> when you said I got three of them, I was like, right. They're they're a Swiss Army vehicle. <laughs> the 710 and the 712 or 718. The 710 was a four wheel. Um, the K version was a hard top, where the other version is a canvas top. And I'm thinking, you know, if I want to take this thing all weather, I got to have the hard top just because I don't want to freeze my buns off if I go to Montana or, you know, take the Alcan highway up to Alaska. So if I could, I'd have a, a 710. I believe they were diesel. The four by four version with the hard top, I could throw the family and bikes and a machine gun for a zombie apocalypse. Awesome. Number two. All right. Car number two would be a 1972 BMW 2002. 2002 referring to the displacement. It was two liters. Two, referring to two doors. So 2002, it's a two-liter, two-door. Nailed it. A4S, the Alpina tuner version. Are you guys still there? Yep. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right, number three. Quickly. <laughs> and we dropped him again. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. 
Greetings. I'm just going to give you the title of the car. <laughs> we were saying email works too. <laughs> it's because of me. Wait, what works? Email. Email. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going to email you the stuff. So the 1972 2002. All right. We got three. it. Car number three is the 2000 Mini Mark 7. It was the last year of the classic body style. This was the first front wheel drive car in history. And it's before BMW bought them and remade it into the crappy Mini that we have today. It's the very tiny little Mini uh, from, you know, it was made from 1959 to 2000. That's car number three. It really made it that long? Yeah. Nice. Nice car. It's it's like a Royal Enfield. Yeah. Uh, Car number four is a Boltaco Astro. Iconic flat track bike. They still have race series uh, around them today, like vintage race series that attracts legends that still race these little uh, 250 and 350 bull tacos. Number five. Number five is the KZ1000J. It was made in 1981. It was 36 pounds lighter and 10% uh, more horsepower than the previous year. And basically it had like a stiffer frame, upgraded internals, um, upgraded suspension, the first aluminum triple clamps, and it was the, what they based the Eddie Lawson replica off of. It was like the KZ1000, the, the super bike that spanked finally the Yamaha CB750. And it was in Mad Max. There was a ton of KZ1000s in Mad Max. Yamaha CB750. Honda CB, but we know what you're talking about. <laughs> Honda CB750. What did I say? Yamaha. Oh, whoops. <laughs> I love Yamaha. <laughs> Uh, number six, this one's kind of weird, but it's Aventon Roadster. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the company Wacan, but they were a French company and they started the Aventon. They changed their name kind of like Confederate did recently. Um, the Aventon Roadster is based off an of SNS, a uh, hundred cubic inch motor. It's basically like a Buell on steroids. Um, it's got the intake popping up through the gas tank. It's got oil and frame. They took all the best stuff from Buell and all the best stuff from Harley and all the best stuff from a Ducati Diavel and turned it into a motorcycle. So the Aventon Roadster would be uh, my number six. It's basically like probably more than a Modus. Um, and number seven, are you guys ready for this? I'm ready. Yeah. The Zero FX. F- not even the FXS? What? Come on. Now, now, Rich, the FXS, I'm not 100% sure if that's street legal or what the difference is because maybe I'm in the dark here, but I know the FX is street legal. Um, the, oh, no, that's right. The FXS is the supermotor version. I just want the regular like dirt All bike right. version. And uh, I, I want to be able to ride out to the mountains and be silent and Sneak up on a badger, a honey badger, wrestle it, take its money, ride home without doing anything to the environment except for leaving like a dirt tire track, you know, a couple of marks where I created some berms. That's my whole deal for wanting the effect. Well, let's not forget all that lithium that got stripped out of the earth, but who's counting? Well, yeah, you know, and the, uh, the third world uh, 12-year-old boy that probably mined all that lithium out of Africa, you know, setting that aside. And the, and the yeah. power that was generated by coal, but again, who's counting? Oh my God. Well, we can't have it all, can we? We live in California. We don't see none of that stuff. We see the Blue Blue Ribbon Coalition and REI telling us how awful we are for wanting to ride dirt bikes off yeah, road. So. I get it with the electric bikes, though. I, I want an electric car, too, but I'm going to fill it up with solar power. Yeah. If I, if I get one. Yeah. Well, 
and the hippies can't hear you coming. So you just take that and that's right. <laughs> you know, take a take a blackjack and whack them over the head, and they don't even know you were there. That's my whole reason. You know, I've ridden electric before, and it was very liberating. I, I was talking to the guy next to me at like fifty-five miles an hour, which you can't do on like a regular bike. You well, know? The Senate, the Senate, you can. And uh, it was just <laughs> <laughs> okay with technology. You can, yeah. But I'm a I'm I have zero technology yeah. too, so that's my other problem. I lost track. Is that six or seven? Uh, my plus, uh, that's number seven. is number eight. That was six. Yeah, that was number seven. So my plus one would be my uh, 1970 Type 3 notchback. If you guys are familiar with the VW notchbacks, um, I used to autocross my uh, VW Beetle, and there was a couple guys in there that had e-prepared Beetles. They were pretty fun. Man, I used to, before that thing was a track car, I used to drive it and track it on the weekends, and I can't tell you how much how much fun I had in that thing because it's literally like 1800 pounds rear wheel drive. You know, I was, I was doing burnouts and just drifting before drifting was a thing in that thing and, and doing 90 miles an hour on the freeway. And people were looking at me like, that's a VW. What are you doing? (laughs) The only thing with e-prepared is that you have to keep it 1600 CC. You have to keep the stock block, but you could do anything else. So port and polish cams, um, lightened flywheel with dowels in it so you didn't break off the studs. Um, my exhaust, God, my neighbors hated me. Um, and my girlfriend refused to ride in the car, stripped interior, roll cage. So it was just like basically like a uh, an echo chamber on turned up to 11. Um, but if Whoa. I was notch back, yeah, it was terrible. I, I rode out, one, I, I, I drove it for like an hour one time without earplugs and a helmet in just because I was driving out in the street. And I couldn't hear for like two days. Um, that's what happens when you drive an actual race car around on the street, like mm-hmm. a street legal race car. So it became a track car and race car after that only because, you know, I love my hearing. Um, mm-hmm. But if I had a notchback, a type three notchback, if you look those up, they were one of the most beautiful cars. Um, now the, uh, the Carmen Ghia was designed by Pinin Faria, which who's designed like, you know, a bunch of Italian cars and stuff. But the notchback was really like one of my favorite looking cars. I never owned one. They had a little pancake flat four in them, but I've seen some rippers and those were, when I've seen them done well, they were the most beautiful VW uh, type threes that they ever made. So an e-prepared notchback would be my favorite, just like a 1600 with the port and polish roll cage, a dual carb setup, a disc brake conversion, everything that my bug had, but in a notchback, and I would just be, I would be a happy boy. And I could wrench on that thing all day. Um, that'd be my plus one, like project car. Okay. Now before Chris gives us his list, I, I have to tell you, Larry, you're probably going to catch some heat for your list. <laughs> now, if you, you know, run, running a motorcycle podcast and I counted four vehicles that had more than two wheels. <laughs> well, okay. The Pinsgauer is to get my dirt bikes to get my zero FX out to the campground, uh, right? Uh-oh. For long distance. If I can, ri- if I can ride Oh, there, I see. Like- <laughs> right. I am back a little bit. Now the Bull Taco Astro, that thing is totally not street legal. I would need right. the Pinsgauer to get there and it would load up right in the back with the FX and the track my car. pit bikes. And I could I could tow my mini Mark seven around um, and fit 18 clowns in it apparently <laughs> because it's one of those cars. So that would be my mm. gas, you know, my gas 
I don't know. They only got 42 miles to gallon. Not great, but <laughs> historically they're an awesome car. Yeah. I, you know, I can get, you got a lot of carbon there. offset with the FX. So you're good. Yeah, there we go. You're neutral. I'm, I'm doing some, um, I'm doing some cap and trade here. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm going to hand you over to, I'm going to hand you over to Chris so he can tell you his before we cut out. again. <laughs> right. All right. Mine's, I think a little bit simpler. I was like looking Larry's up as he would say, cause I didn't know what half of them were, which I respect. I respect that. Yeah. That's good. And we yeah. appreciate the um, detail and the story. I'm going to, yeah, he was very detail oriented. Hey, I was so detail oriented. We crashed about 19 times <laughs> during it. Yeah. Skype wanted nothing to do with it. Brought down detail. half the internet. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start my list with a bike that I never should have sold. Uh, mine was an older one. I, I want a newer black one, like 06, 07, but um, an RC51 Honda. Um, it's a tra- just, track bike. I love. It? No? Okay. No, they made a street bike. I had a, I had a 2000, uh, this first motorcycle I bought when I moved to California. Sold my CBR 929 back home. Bought this thing uh, on an eBay and uh, flew up to Sacramento. The dude picked me up from the airport, went to his house, and I rode home from Sacramento that day. Number two on my list. Uh, for, I don't know, I was trying to spread it out a little bit. So like a new production thing, I really like the KTM 1290 Super Ooh. Duke. Um, yes, I don't nice know. I don't know if it's Harley related, but I really love V twins. I think so. Um, you know, the RC 51, the 1290, I own a Ducati S2R thousand monster. Nice. Um, let's see number three on my list and I, it's for sale right now. So if anyone in listener land wants a hooligan to have a dream bike, um, the Icon 1000 Katana called the New Jack. I got to give it to the dudes at Icon that build the bikes. Like, you couldn't start with much uglier of a motorcycle. And this thing is beautiful. Like a cool little small racing tail. They left the ugly fairing, but they put an LED headlight and they replaced the headlight spot with an oil cooler. It's got 17 slicks, a more modern Jigsaw swing arm, and pretty cool that brakes. That's crazy. Stuff. Look at that. Oh, dude, it's so good, though. And they were air-cooled, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Or maybe air with a little oil cooler, yeah. Mm. Um, But yeah, the new Jack. Another bike would be the Speed Merchant Exponent, which was a Sportster. Or, um, and this is one of my buddies I got to ride with today, and he's actually one of my main sponsors. But Or just a a sporty kind of street bike built by Brownie Built of Speed Merchant. He just has a way with like simple sportsters that are like super rideable. Um, and the exponent's one of my favorite bikes of all time. And it's like, when you look at it and you know what it is, it's, it's so sportster based, but like all the small things that are changed to make it not sportster based is kind of key. Very cool. I was saying, how many is that John? Five. Okay. Is that five? One, oh, sorry. Two, You're number five. That's four. Okay. So number five would be, uh, like a Dyna or a Harley kind of, uh, built by Church of Choppers of FT, FTW Co. Um, I just love the way he does like super tall Frisco pegs and super narrow bars and just, I don't know, like some of the style and stuff. So just, it doesn't even have to be specific, just pretty well anything built by him. He also built some killer sport bikes if you guys aren't totally all just Harley kooks. We're not. Um, one of the great things actually about like FTW and Church of Choppers is like they everything, like all their t-shirts and stuff are so just motorcycle like dirt bike sport bike flat track harley whatever um so those would be the motorcycles couple are you know super simple 
And then I did put two cars in here. Um, I'm a Mustang kook and I love Fox body Mustangs. I used to have one in high school. I want a notch back with a new uh, Coyote 5.0 motor in it. Or I guess if I got a dream, it would be the new 350 GT oh, flat yeah. plane motor. But I love Foxback notch, notch like uh, Fox body notchback Mustangs are. I got a soft spot for them. A Fox body um, that could twist to eight grand? That would be crazy. Oh, yeah, right. Um, I've seen them done with the Coyotes. They're pretty clean. Uh, one that was just kind of random I wanted to throw in was a, like a mid-70s or early 70s Trans Am. Uh, white with it's got to have the blue bird so it matches my tattoo i have a trans am chest piece awesome (laughs) so yeah i uh at the time i got it i called it my white trash dream tattoo then when you get the car you can have that (laughs) you know oh yeah dude then it's like then it's slaying it says rachel underneath (laughs) (laughs) and then um my project i've been into uh if you guys check out on instagram uh cafe killers I've been super into like late seventies, early mid eighties. The Katana I think leads into this and they go into the like early nineties. But, um, so my project would be a CBX Honda. I, um, I grew up, my dad always had CBX motorcycles. My grandpa's got a clean 79. I have a pretty clean 82 at home right now. Um, but in the, like kind of that new Jack style, although no fairings, like just, kind of semi like 80s period correct racer but maybe like 17 inch wheels a little better suspension than they had back then but i love that whole 80s race bike style um it's just super rad and it would be cool to do on a cbx because cbx's are six cylinders and they're huge beasts so i thought that would be like a cool project plus like some of my list is like doable like i have a cb 400 that if i actually ever finish my dad has like cbx motors and frames and wheels and everything and he's like oh if you want anything i'll send you stuff you want to put a bike together and i'm like i have so many projects that i'm like i don't need to do that but i really want to (laughs) so i thought it would be a good bike for my project bike so not bad is that is it all i'm done it is i think that's all of them yeah so just kind of a quick list no uh weird military Mercedes Unimog vehicles or anything like that. But, um, <laughs> and a relatively like obtainable list, like, you know, nothing right. super, super expensive, no private jets to fly to Mars with Elon Musk or anything, but oh, yeah, we've got to add you know, rockets at some point. <laughs> to the list. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's gotta be on the list. I mean, if it's your, if it's your That's dream, right. it's your dream. Rocket three. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, I thought, Oh, that was a cool, uh, a cool thing you guys do. It's hard to stop it. Seven and one, though. Yeah, it does. You do have to show a little restraint know, to, right? get it, to get it down to seven. Yeah, yeah. I had zero, and then once they started writing down, it was- yeah, I was like, "What am I going to do?" And I start putting them in my on my notes on my phone, and I was like, seven already." I even deleted a couple, and then like put some. Back yeah, you start in, writing so. a list. You're like, "Oh wait, that's 14. Hold on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh man! And then you're married with children, and you don't That's get right. any of them anymore. Like college, uh-huh. boarding school. Yeah, yeah. I have a '46 Plymouth I just got from my grandpa, and it's rad because my wife's like, "No, that was your grandpa's. I can't make you sell that." I'm like, "Yes, yeah, that's the best car ever." Now. Grandfathered in. <laughs> yes, literally. Before we let you go, Chris, I know you've been on 
the Creative Writing Podcast a few times, but where else can people find you on the internet and others? Oh man, lately podcast wise, I did uh, what I do last week: uh, the Salvage Show and Writers on the Norm. Um, maybe some more stuff in the future. Uh, definitely back on Creative Writing some more. We could have like some six hour long podcast if, if we're not careful though. So it's a lot of editing. As far as the racing, yeah. Uh, as far as the racing and stuff, if anyone wants to check out the hooligan stuff, my personal Instagram is wig09 and you just spell out zero. Yeah, wig is two G's also. And then um, if if someone's wanting to get into it, they don't really care who I am, but they want uh, they want to know what's up with the bikes and the riders and the races. Um, I have one that I run called SoCal Hooligans, just SoCal underscore hooligans. Um, I try to keep updated on the, the races that are coming up. Um, I try to give shout outs or like little bios to different riders. I try to do some tech info on people's bikes that are out there. So if someone's building something, they can kind of see what they need to do. Um, just some stuff like that. But that's also a good thing to check out if anyone is uh, dumb enough to get into <laughs> racing. It looks like so. fun. Is it, can you watch that? Is it broadcast or, or is it re- available online some of the races are some of them aren't yeah some are and some aren't um the flat out friday in milwaukee is usually broadcast on harley's facebook live um october 7th we're doing a super hooligan race which is put on by Roland sands and it's at the um it's at the paris half mile and it's with the aft pros race so it will be on fans choice and it should be on nbc as long as they don't edit us out <laughs> I don't know if they'll leave our, our main in there or not, but uh, it'll definitely be on fans choice. So we'll be on there. So it should be kind of interesting. Uh, half miles, a little, it's the biggest track that any of us have ever ran. Uh, we've ran that one before, but half miles are about as big as we get. So awesome. But yeah, other than that, I mean, if, if anyone's interested in hooligan racing or something, you know, let me know. I'm always down to help riders out, help them get their bikes sorted, help them with any tips or ideas. I guess I should plug too. If you guys have any listeners that are on the West Coast, I'm doing a race, promoting a race September 23rd at uh, Santa Maria Raceway. So even if someone's like Sacramento, Santa Cruz, stuff like that, like not that bad of a drive. Um, it's about a three-hour drive from LA too, <laughs> so it's kind of almost splitting the difference. It's a sore butt but, ride. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but SoCal Hooligans is putting that on. We're doing um, the first 50 people to pre-register for the race get a uh, $10 race entry. So, and I'm doing four classes. Um, one of them's kind of an invite, but I guess if you have a bike, I'll hit up the guys and see if it's okay. We're doing a hooligan hand shift class with the dudes from Born Free um, and, and some of their buddies. I just thought it'd be a super cool class to add. But for the three main hooligan classes, I'm doing um, what I'm calling a hooligan WFO wide freaking open i guess so that's just our like expert our fast class we're doing a hooligan half throttle which is our amateur class they don't literally have to ride half throttle but i didn't want to call it amateur and expert and uh and then we're doing a hooligan yeah we're doing a hooligan street class which i'm actually super excited about the dudes have to run dot oh, okay so you get on yeah you get online on chaparral or go to chaparral or whatever you buy some like Kendas, some Shinkos. If you have a 16 uh, Duro makes a tire, they're like 2080, you know, off-road, on-road, more on-road based, not the huge knobbies, but 
you show up and you can run regular street tires too. It's not a big deal, but everyone on the track will be on DOT street legal tires. Um, there's a couple loopholes guys like the Shinko tire, Shinko flat track tires are DOT. So if the guy makes a mistake and shows up with those, he's just getting bumped up a class. It's not a big deal. No one's hurt. He's still racing. But um, I'm excited because like hooligan racing started as a like ride to the race, race and ride home. And that's, and you know, the fans want to see guys crash their street bikes and our, our hooligan bikes are less and less street bikes. So it hopefully it'll be good for the fans and the other racers. And we'll see, uh, you know, we'll see how it turns out. It's my first venture at promoting a race, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely see how it goes. But yeah, I'm super excited about the classes. Where do people sign up? Uh, nothing's really set up yet. So all, if they go to SoCal hooligans um, on the Instagrams, just send me a DM or comment. Uh, there's a couple of the last few posts are about the race. So if they just comment on it, uh, let me know. And I'm just writing it down on a list and trying to keep track of everyone. So, um, but right now we got about 20 spots full, so we definitely have some open spots. I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. I'm expecting if I get everyone that said they're going to come out, I'm expecting probably 50 or 60 hooligans. I'd say about 60 with the hand shift guys. So, um, and the more, the merrier, we're doing a few things with the races that I think the riders are really going to like. So they get some good track time. Um, we're trying to do more than one heat race Two, I'm trying to do three heat races in a main, actually. Um, a lot of our events, it's like one heat, one main go home. So we're trying to extend that, give guys more track time, um, some stuff like that. So should be exciting. Very nice. Well, thanks again, sir. Does, uh, does Larry have anything he wants to sign off with before we drop the call? Well, listen, there's always something to sign off with, but I'm just going to say thanks again. Thanks again to Loud Pipes, Champila. I don't even know what that yeah, means, yeah. but I, I love Champila. Man, Ricky is a man. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you guys for sticking in. Sorry for the audio on our part. Um, you know, Loud Pipes has it dialed in. So sorry for our part on the, uh, the uh, bandwidth issues, but um, it's been a great show. Thank you guys so much for having us and get out there and ride like nobody sees you. But more importantly, ride that deuce and that Indian. <laughs> get him out on there. The flat track. <laughs> on the flat track. Oh, get yeah. him out there. I'll get it I there. See Rich, I want to see Rich, Rico, and John on the spider, like going at it. <laughs> like a three-man duel. Next year, man. Next year. A flat track, gr- like grudge match. <laughs> yeah. I want to know which co-host is better. I mean, honestly. Uh-oh. Well, I, I tend to win all the races, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I want to see you guys wrestle afterwards. The Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor thing has really sparked something in me. I want to see you guys race, fight, and, and then run like a half a K. Yeah, wrestle, run half a K, and then do keg stands. I want to. I want this to be the ultimate grudge competition and see who comes out on top. It's like race, <laughs> fight, you know, a half marathon, and then drink until... You pass out. <laughs> last last man standing. Yeah, last man standing, right. That's all that matters to me. <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling John is like the, the uh, he's sandbagging. I have a feeling that he's going to be the guy that would uh, come out on top. <laughs> he's a sandbagger. The gentle giant. The gentle giant is John. John the gentle giant. That's your new road name, my friend. I have many names. Thunderstroker. There's one. Thunderstroker, Gentle Giant, Some Bitch, yeah, they're all... Yeah, TD, (laughs) carry my stuff. 
Awesome. Well, thanks, Larry. Thank we, we'll have to do this again at some point. And if you ever need someone to come, thanks for having us on. come your way and make a fool of themselves, I can do that too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, on creative writing, everybody makes a fool of themselves, including the host every week, whoever that idiot is. So I'll get to the bottom of it one of these days. Awesome. <laughs> thanks, guys. Enjoy your evening. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Okay, bye-bye. Ooh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, oh my god I, I'm trying to process all the information and the stories and just I'm I'm having a hard time uh, wrapping my head around all of it man I am spent so sh- <laughs> should we just do a quick again Harley roundtable you are you impressed with the new changes or nothing for you Hogan uh oh yeah I'm really impressed I, I, I really like the uh the fat bop I really like the, um, I also like the fat boy. Yeah. Fat boy got, like those got new wheels for the, yeah. only the first time. Yeah. New wheels. Yeah. New wheels, uh, new headlights, the whole look. Uh, I'm really digging that bike. I don't think it has, uh, that you may not like is the floorboards, but you know, uh, other than that, uh, it's a sweet looking bike. I don't know if I would want the 14 the 114 or the 107. I don't know. I'm in, uh, I have to ride them both just to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I got to say, seeing them in person. So Saturday I went over to the local Harley dealer here and just took a few pictures, looked at them up close. You know, I didn't, I was kind of pressed for time. I didn't sit on them or anything and they weren't doing rides, but mm-hmm. yeah, just seeing them in person. I mean, very much a soft tail. All the little details look really nice. You know, I'm, I'm still not super, I don't want to say I'm not a fan, but you know, I just, I don't get all the hype of the Fat Bob. I understand the performance parts. I like the inverted forks, dual discs, stuff like that. I I get that part um, from the performance angle, but just style wise, I guess it's just not my thing. So, but I'm I'm jazzed as a Softail fan. You know, all new software platform. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think the the thing that does it for me with the Fat Fat Bob is the the headlight. The black forks, the gold um, uh, sleeves on the exhaust. I think, you know, that really does it. The front wheel, you know, you know, I think it's the same thing what we had to deal with with the Scout was that huge front wheel and getting used to that. But I think that's something you can overcome easily. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and just to see how easy the, the rear suspension is just by twisting that knob and I think you can adjust the forks. A little more raise them or lower. A little more yeah. preload, you're good to go if you're loading it up. Right, right, right. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to actually to kick a leg over this thing and ride it for a little bit, just you know, to get a real feel for it. But I'm excited to to get on both of these bikes. And John, you, are you still snoozing the same as you were last week, or have you come around a little bit? Oh, I came around a little bit. <laughs> I'll be nice. I'll be nice. I, I think they've kind of. Upgrade a lot of their stuff, like the headlights and stuff. If you look at it, I agree. They've moved towards a more younger generation. I'd say. More well, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link to a video in the show notes I watched earlier from uh, Matt Laidlaw. At uh, he's a Harley Davidson dealer, and he was at the show in L.A. Uh, for the release of the new bikes, and he had a couple of good conversations with some of the actual engineers that worked on the bikes. So I was watching that earlier today, and they were talking about you know, all the changes they did with the soft tail 
you know, let's call it a platform, right? All new frame, uh, two different swing arms, and just little details that you might not think of until you start looking at them. But even things like, you know, the primary, um, some of the primary pieces are a little bit wider on things like the Breakout and the Fat Boy because they have that 240 rear tire. So, but it was cool. And, it, you know, the engine's a lot of carryover from the touring line, except this one is fully properly balanced, you know, twin counterbalancers. So, and rigid mounted. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty cool. Just all all sorts of little details, which are just neat. And the, the funny thing with the Fat Boy is it has a 160 front tire. That's what the rear wow, tire really? is on my Deuce. It's a 160. Get, get out of here, really. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like, but it doesn't, you know, proportionally, it doesn't look that big until you get up to it and you actually see the size on the sidewall. It's like, holy cow, that is a wide front tire. Huh. Yeah, I got to ride it now then. Cool. Yeah, and my, and my only other thought on the CVOs is just, dang, that is a lot of money for, I don't want to say a yeah. stock bike, but, you know, something from the factory. Ooh, that's a lot of scratch. It is. Uh, I don't know. I could have a lot of fun with forty grand besides one motorcycle. <laughs> right. And I'm going to move to a warmer climate so I can ride it year-round. That's right. Well, do you need to get any warmer than where you are? Come on. No, no, you know, I'm just saying if I live like in Cleveland, I can only ride like four months out of the year. Oh, yeah. You know, forget that. Forget it. All right. Well, anything else, fellas? I know we, it wasn't our sort of our usual break and U-turn and things like that, but. I do have one. I do have one question. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So, so what's the deal with the hundredth show? The hundredth of episode. What's our game plan? So our listeners. We talked about it. We talked about it last week. Well, has everything been finalized? So we mentioned last week that the 100th episode will be Saturday, September 9th, roughly 1.30 or so. And we're going to record at the Thirsty Nomad Brewing Company. And the address for that is 4402A Stuart Andrew Boulevard. That is here in Charlotte, North Carolina. So come on over, have a beer, enjoy the show. Be part of the show if you want. And we might have some food and some other fun things as well. But that will be our hundredth show. And Rico will have the Skype line on for you. Sorry. All right. I'll make my own wings. and <laughs> Yeah, make yourself a nice batch of wings and a couple of mixed drinks. Sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'll get situated. Well, it'll be breakfast for you. So <laughs> might, you might want to make some pancakes. <laughs> that's, that's true. That'll be lunchtime. It's only an hour different. No, it's two. Yeah. Two? Not no, it's only one. Not until the time change. But then we're even. Well, well, do you guys do daylight? No, no, we're two right now. It's it's midnight here. We're two right now. Yeah, so it'll be an hour, I think, when it when the daylight saving times kick in. Right. I, when when daylight saving time kicks in for us, you're an hour, and when we kick to daylight saving times, it's two hours. Because right now you're just about ready to go on what ten o'clock. Yeah, it's nine thirty-eight. Yeah, two hours. So two hours behind us, Rich. Oh, see, I thought it was only an hour. Jeez. It changes in the wintertime. What do I know? Anyway. Yep. That is the 100th episode and our third anniversary. And we'll try to put that show out, the podcast part of it. We'll try to put it out right on the anniversary, September 11th. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So before I dip into the to the thank you segment, you guys have anything else? 
No, I think uh, we covered a lot today and uh, got some good information, some good insight from both of the guys. So I want to just thank Larry and Chris again for joining us. And uh, it was a great show. It's a good time indeed. Yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Chris and Larry for joining and check out Creative Writing Podcast. Okay. And on that note, let's take a moment to recognize the people that make our show possible. And just remind all the listeners to visit loudpipes.net slash donate for more details. And let's start with our barbershop riders. That would be the first five members, Jebby and Zion. And we also have Chuck, Mike, and Chris. Mike also on the live stream. It's happening. Our riders group, that would be first five members, Marcus, Rickard, and Edward. And we also have Steve, Micah, Jim, Kenny, Roger, and Dangerous Dave. Our insiders group is Darren and got to give a shout out to our latest insider member, which is motorcycles and misfits podcast, which is awesome. So big shout out to them and thanks for the support. Yay. yay. Loudpipes.net forward slash donate again is the place to be. If you want to sign up and select the reward that interests you most. And like we say, since Patreon is an ongoing monthly program, if you want to provide a one-time donation, there's a link for that on the website as well. All right, one last thing. Uh, Additional information, including links and images, can be found on our website for this episode, loudpipes.net slash 98, fellas, 98. You'll find links to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, and of course, follow us on social media. Mr. Hogan, I got the kickstand up. Yeah, you. Ready to ride out? Do it, Bruce. All right. Johnny John? Let's go, guys. Parking brake off. Yeah. Whatever it is you do with the spider. Okay. <laughs> Good night. Later. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the show. We offer generous rewards for your contribution. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate.